0: So you got to see, some of you got to see that. Wasn't that pretty cool? That, that, was, that was an awesome time just to see how God's been working in some of our people's lives. And listen, it takes a lot to coordinate something like that. And so I just wanted to just publicly thank Susan Criddle. Susan, thank you so much for helping and working on that. It's It's a lot to get 30-some people together and and figure out everybody's testimony and then get that on the cards, and there's just so much to to work on. So thank you, Susan. I really appreciate it. Very moving and encouraging. Um, Welcome, and I've got to share something that happened this week. Um, I'm walking down the stairs of my house. It's Thursday evening And my wife is quietly working on a Christmas project at the kitchen table. And as I turn the corner of the stairs, this frantic scene unfolds in front of me. Um, As I look down the stairs into into the kitchen, I see my wife lean back. Um, In her left hand is a cookie. With her right hand, she's feeling for the chair uh, that is behind her. She thinks the chair is right behind her. The problem is it actually is sitting about two feet to her right. Now, I'm going to demonstrate what I saw. Okay? You guys ready for this? I'm walking down the stairs. Just imagine me walking down the stairs. I look down, and I see my wife working on this project. All of a sudden, this is what happens. no lie. That was, listen, we've been married 19 years. That was one of the best days of our married life. I'm going to tell you what, it's a true story. I got permission to share this story with you. But the reason it was so great, you see, you got to understand, I, I, I thought I had really made some progress. See, one time, me and my son, Wes, my son and I, Wes and I were eating some French fries, McDonald's French fries. We got down to the last french fry. And it then it was like a stare off. Like who's going to get it, you know? And and then I can hear like da 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 da. And then, then I thought, no, I'm the big, I'm going to be the bigger person here, right? Okay, Wes, go ahead, buddy. You can have that last fry. I thought, man, I've really grown <laughs> as a person. This is, you know, I'm I'm the bigger person here and God's really growing me. And then all of a sudden this happens. And I find myself laughing at my wife's expense, and I think I've I've regressed. I've gone backwards, and uh, because you know, it takes it takes a big person to laugh at themselves, but it takes an even bigger person to laugh at them. (laughs) And that's what I felt I was in that moment. So welcome to Cookie Sunday. Uh, We're glad you're here. In just a few minutes, we're going to have some cookies and some treats. And, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun Uh, before we do that though. She was extra dedicated to that cookie. I just got to stop for a minute. I mean, I just got to say like when she fell, you know, like when you fall and you look around to see if anybody saw you, but she had a cookie in her hand and she was like, I'm not going to let this thing go to waste. And she takes this bite and then, then she sees me and I said, are you, honey, are you Okay. And then we both just like bust out laughing for the next two minutes, like uncontrollably. It was the best. It was just great. So I hope something like that happens to you for for your Christmas this year. Um, So I welcome you today. After today, if you don't see me for the rest of December, I'll be in the doghouse, you know. I'll be I'll be around. I'll be around somewhere. But, anyways, you're in for a treat. We've got some of the sweetest, finest cookies you've ever seen waiting for you back there in the gym, right after I preach this two-and-a-half-hour sermon. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I wouldn't do that to you. It's an hour and a half. Just kidding. I, I wouldn't do that to you either. Actually, I would. I might. I might. I might. I don't know. <clears throat> Anyways, like Cookie Monster, I want more cookies, right? I, I want cookies. so I'm not going to be too, too long here. Uh, that's my promise to you this morning is I'll try to be not too long, if you will make me a promise. Would you make a deal with me this morning? I'm gonna do my best not to to bore you or keep you too long if you'll do your best not to go to sleep. Do we have a deal? Okay, all right, we have a deal. And I think, to be honest with you, uh, how many of you, of course, remember Cookie Monster? Cookie, right? C is for cookie, that's good enough for me, right? And I think that there's a little bit of cookie monster inside all of us, right? There's a little, I want cookies, inside of all of us. You know, we're hungry for stuff. You know, we're hungry for something. Now, sometimes that's physical food. Sometimes that hunger and that craving that we have inside is for uh, non-physical things, more for spiritual things. So we go from cookies to Wanting somebody to just encourage us to say something nice, to lift us up. And, and, and there's all kinds of things that we crave in our life, all kinds of things that we're hungry for. Now, I have never met a person who would not like to have a little more in their life. Now, I'm talking about the fact that there's more to life than just cookies, There's more to life than just getting up, going to 9 to 5 job, coming home, going to bed, getting up and doing it all over again. How many of you know there's more to life than that? That's an important part of life, but there's more to life than that. This is what Jesus says in John 10.10. He says, the thief does not come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Now, the the key word in that phrase, other than abundantly in life, is the word more, M-O-R-E. He said, "I, I came that they may have life and that more abundantly. The life Jesus gives to you and I is more. It's more than natural, it's supernatural. That's part of what I mean. It's not common. It's more than common. It's more than average. It's more than mediocre. Uh, It's not just ho-hum. There's more to life than just what some of us are busy with, even in this time of year. And and you feel it. All of us know what I'm talking about, that feeling of wanting more out of life. The key word is more. Now, I want to share with you this morning How to live more ever. Not how to live forever, but how to live more ever. See, Jesus did not come so that you could live forever. I don't know if you realize that or not. Um, When Jesus, whenever God created you, he made you an eternal soul. You're going to live forever anyway. So when you die here on earth, you're going to go to one of two places, Scripture says. You're going to go either upstairs or downstairs but you're going to be very much awake and you're going to be very conscious you're not going to die in that sense you'll be you'll be yourself and you'll be very much aware that's by by definition you get that just by being created by God Jesus didn't come so that you could live forever you're already going to live forever in one of two places Jesus came so that you could live more ever what does that mean You know, in my life, I've I've had times when I didn't understand this this thing about more. Jesus came so that you and I could have a life that's more. I I haven't always understood that. Um, Some of you might say, well, Brad, I like my life. I mean, why do I need Jesus' life? Because he gives you more. As a matter of fact, I was driving down 95 yesterday, and I saw Amazon Prime uh, on the back of the truck. You know, it's, it's like there, there's more with Amazon Prime, and it's a truckload. You know, every, everybody has the idea of more. We want more. Somebody asked J.C. Penney, how much money is enough, sir? He said, just a little more. <laughs> just a little more. How much more? I don't know. Just a little more. I mean, it's kind of human nature, isn't it? It's human nature to want more. But here's good news this morning. It's God's nature to give us more. It's my nature to want more. It's my nature to want and to want again and to keep on wanting. And It's, it's human nature. But it's God's nature to give and to give again and to keep on giving. Clark? God gives the gift that keeps on giving. Some say, well, Brad, I find great pleasure in my life the way it is. I would say to you, there's more pleasure in living the way Jesus lived. More pleasure? How, how could that be? You know, some people say, I have a nice car, Brad. And I would say, there's more out there than that. I say, well, Brad, I, you know, I have nice home, my mortgage is paid off, and the kids are going to be gone soon. And I would say you're made for more than that. You're made for more than that. So what I want to share with you this morning are four mores Jesus offers you and I. Not s'mores, although those sound good, right? S'mores, how many of you like s'mores? Some of you like s'mores. Yeah, yeah, I I like s'mores, kind of. They're not my favorite. Uh, Actually, my favorite is candy corn, which... Bill Target bought me some candy corn, uh, found some candy corn this time of year, which I'm pretty sure uh, defines a miracle, pretty sure, so thank you, Bill. Four mores that Jesus offers you and I. He wants to give you more, And, and what I did was I put more in an acrostic. I believe that there are four universal human longings that you and I have. And I think what Jesus offers to us corresponds with the things that we want in our life. The things that we need in our life. More is an acrostic. For one, M stands for meaning. Two, O stands for order. Uh, R stands for relationships. And E stands for experiences. Those are the four mores that Jesus is offering you and I in abundance. Now, let me explain what I mean. When you see that, you may go, what are you talking about? Let me explain what I mean. When I talk about meaning, I'm talking about purpose to live for. How many of you know that everybody should have a purpose to live for? Everybody should have a purpose to live for. Um, Have you found what you're looking for? What's the more that you're looking for? In my life, I've gone through times when uh, dark nights of the soul and deep seasons, and I've kind of whittled down to myself, and I ask myself, you know, Brad, when you're feeling discontented, and when you're feeling down, and when you're feeling like life just isn't worth living, what is it that you want in that moment? You ever ask yourself that? When you're down, and you're, you're, you're hurting, and, and you just don't want to go on anymore, and what is it in that moment that you're missing? What's missing? As a matter of fact, uh, for you Christians that are in here, I used to ask myself this question, how could I have Jesus but still feel so depressed sometimes? You ever asked yourself that? I have Jesus. I, I, I've, I've been born again. I've got heaven in my future. How can I still feel so depressed sometimes? Sometimes. Well, the reason is because I have life, I just don't have it more abundantly. It's that more abundantly that I'm missing. And when I talk about more, I, I'm talking about meaning, order, relationships, and experiences. And I'm going I'm to break it down real quick for you. And by meaning, I just mean purpose in life. Got to have a purpose to live for. You know, some people say, well, I, I just want more. Out of life. What's the more you're looking for? Some people say, well, I can't put my finger on it, but I just know I was kind of expecting more out of life than where I'm at right now. You know, I, I can't really define it, but, you know, it was good. That experience was fun, and it was good and, and all, but I just was kind of hoping for more. I knew that. I knew that when my dad sat down and had the talk with me. He said, Brad, and this, this is what he said. He said, Brad, sex isn't all it's cracked up to be. I was a teenage boy, I was like, what? Then what do I have to look forward to? You just ruined my life, Dad. No. I want more out of life than just average. I want more out of life than just the normal stuff. I want to live, not just exist. Now, I don't have all the answers to life's toughest questions. I'm just going to be honest with you. I do not have all those answers. I'm still searching myself in some ways. I have a lot of questions that I want to ask God. So when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, I'm just going to sit down and roll up a chair, I'm going to take my cookie, miss the chair, fall down on my bottom, get back up, and then thank the Lord for that moment with my wife. Then I'm going to ask him some questions. I'm really in the doghouse, aren't I, babe? I'm just going to ask him some questions. I don't have all the answers to life questions, so I'm just going to share with you what I've learned from personal experience, okay? This is what I know. Because this is what I've experienced. There's one door to the more you're looking for. There's one, more, there's one door. There's lots of ways to get more in life. Let, let, me, let me be clear. I can rob a bank and instantly I can have more money. You can work three jobs and get more cash. Uh, you can hire a prostitute and have more sex. You can be nicer and have more friends. You can buy drugs and have more of a high. But I'm talking about something deeper than that. There's a deeper more than I'm referring to this morning. In fact, one person said, the only one who can satisfy the human heart is the one who made it. The one who made it. What I'm talking about is a purpose to live for. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life. Now, if Jesus ever gave what his purpose statement was, uh, some years back in the '90s, having a mission statement for your organization and company was very popular. It was it, everybody was putting up their mission statements on the walls, you know, so that employees could see it and be on mission and be engaged and blah blah blah. If I've ever seen a mission statement given by Jesus or a purpose statement for his personal life, that's it. He said, I have come, I'm here, I exist here on earth so that they may have life. Do you know why you're here? Have you ever answered that question? Do you know your purpose? Mark Twain, Samuel Longhorn Clemens, you remember him? The great author? He was a big cigar smoker. He'd go on walks every day and he'd take his big cigar and he'd walk down the, down the dirt lane or near his road and he'd think about stuff, think about life. He'd come up with books, Huckleberry Finn, Tom Sawyer's Cabin, all kinds of stuff. Here's what he said. He said, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Why are you here? Why did God create you? In my opinion, there's only one person who can answer that question. Uh, Viktor Frankl noted a study by people at, James, at Johns Hopkins of 7,948 students from 48 colleges, and they asked them what they felt was important in life. Only 16% said that money was important. 78% of them recognized and said finding purpose and meaning are very important in life. How about you? Is finding a meaningful life important to you? Is knowing your purpose important to you? If you want to know what the purpose of an engine is, you ask the maker. If you want to know the purpose of a machine part, you have to consult the owner's manual. The one who made it knows why it was made. And you didn't invent yourself. Did you know that? One day you just woke up and you discovered yourself. Alive, breathing. Wow, here I am on earth. And you grew in your understanding of who you were from a baby into a a toddler and into a young person, into young adulthood. And you realized, I didn't get myself here. How did I get here? (laughs) There was a study done by Al Banazir, he was a medical doctor and a professor at Harvard. And he tried to quantify the chances of you actually being born. Isn't that kind of interesting? He was trying to quantify the chances of you actually being born. Think about this. What are the chances in a world of 7.5 billion people that your mom and dad met each other? What are the chances that your mom and dad came together, and whether it was marriage or not marriage, and, and had you? What's interesting is, here's what he found. You had and I had a one in 400 quadrillion chance of even existing. So if you take a one in 400 quadrillion chance of existing and you look at the definition in the, in the Webster's Dictionary of a miracle, that's a miracle. You quite literally are a walking miracle. It's pretty unbelievable that you're sitting here today by any standards, even a Harvard professor's quantifying standards, but you're a miracle. You're here. There's a reason you're here. You have purpose in your life, and those times, whenever you're feeling down and depressed, sometimes I ask myself, am I missing my purpose? Billy Graham once said, make sure you don't miss the point of your life. Are you missing the point? those times when you feel like things are not working well in your life, those are the times when you are forgetting your purpose. You get off purpose, off mission. You get distracted and you start doing other things. And all of a sudden, you farther away you move from your real purpose for being here, the worse you feel. Why? Because you're busy about a bunch of stuff that, may not be important and may not match your purpose. Meaning, God wants to give us more. Jesus said, I want to give you life and more, that more abundantly. First is meaning, the second O is order. Now, when I say order, I just mean that Jesus wants to give you peace to live in. Peace. I'm going to explain this. Jesus says in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. The world gives with a catch. As a matter of fact, the world doesn't always give us what we deserve, does it? It doesn't always give fairly. As a matter of fact, the world gives us a lot of problems, gives us a lot of trouble, gives us a lot of heartache. Jesus said, that's not the way I give, Jesus says. I give you peace, and then when I give it to you, I don't just snatch it back. And I don't make it dependent on your performance or you being perfect. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Do you need more peace of mind? How many of you know people that are running around like chickens with their head cut off this season? Frantic, worried, anxious, stressed, too busy for their own good. Jesus says, I want to give you more. You are made for more. Now, what do I mean when I say order? You've heard people say phrases like this. I'd like to bring this meeting to order. Finish this sentence with me. Sir, you are out of... Yeah. The doctor says, go home and get your affairs in. See, God created this world with order. Now, here's what I mean. In our world, some things come before other things. Would you agree? Now, I'm going to explain this to you because order is a big deal. Um, And I'm not talking just about law and order, okay? And I'm not talking about God just issuing orders to you. God gives us commands because he's God and he can. And he is the one that deserves to, you know, God has a right to tell me what to do with the life he gave me. I don't know if you feel that way, but God has a right to tell you what to do, just so we're clear. You may not like it. You may not always agree with it. As a matter of fact, if you don't disagree with God sometimes, you're probably not really worshiping the real God. You're probably just worshiping yourself. So I would imagine there are times that you vehemently disagree with God, but that's different than disobeying him. And so God puts it in our heart. He shows us these things. He wants us to understand these things. He wants us to understand order. There's a difference. God does give us orders, so to speak, but he also gives us an order. He tells us what order things ought to be in. How many of you have ever stood in line, and you're in line to to purchase something, and someone tries to break in line? How many of you wrestled them to the ground? No, no, you didn't do? Okay. Oh, man, You, you guys are more spiritual than I am guys are nice. I, I just want to, like, put them in a figure four leg lock and do a Rick Flair. Whoo! You know what I'm saying? Because they just got in my way, and whoa, dude, there's an order to all this. What are you doing? You're out of order. Get back in line where you belong, right? There's an order. I'll give you an example. Last night, um, I came to the gym last night and I was working with Nicole Schwartz and Matt Schwartz and, and their kids and we were setting up for cookie Sunday. you know, because all of this stuff, you know, this is the mothership and it didn't just, you know, fall down from heaven, you know, somebody had to turn the lights on here and somebody has to pay for the electric bill and somebody had to set up all the coffee and bring in all the cookies. By the way, thank you for many of you bringing cookies today. And so we're setting up back there, and as I was leaving my house to come over here and set up for Cookie Sunday, this feeling of peace that passes all understanding just descended on me. Now, I'll tell you why. And I'm going to make a confession. Can I make a confession as a pastor? This is pastoral confession time. Some of you think I'm going to fall. I'm not, I promise. I didn't really want to come and set up last night. You know, I'm like, oh, man, you know, i got to come and set up. There's details I forgot. It always, you know, how many of you know a project always takes longer than you think it it will? (laughs) Always, right? There's always something you forgot. There's always some detail that you missed. So you have to make up for it. And it takes 15 minutes longer or 45 minutes longer, an hour longer. Some of the guys had to stay till 1 a.m. last night because there was an issue that came up and we had to solve it. Well, I didn't really want to come and do that, but I'll tell you what, when I did drive away from my house, I did not feel stressed, and I did not feel anxious about coming and leaving my family. You know why? Because about an hour before I left, I had been f- pretending to fight with lightsabers with one, my, with one of my boys. That's right. We do that at the Kellum household. We were just pretending, right? You know, and, and um, like big kids. You see, what I mean is, there's an order in life. Like your marriage is way more important than your career. You know, your family is way more important than your career. Your children are way more important than just selfish urges and drives and impulses that we may have as parents. Right? So when I left, I thought to myself... It's okay. I I don't necessarily want to come and have to set everything up, but I'm not, I'm not stressing about it and I'm not anxious about it because I just spent time with my family. Things are in order in my life. I got that order right. I spent time with my family before I ministered in the church. Does that make sense? Now, here's what I want to say to you. Some of you have to understand our world is out of order. There are things that are coming before other things that should not. And there are things that are coming behind other things that should not. God says, Thou shalt have no other God before me. That's an order. That's like a a thing of order. See, when God created the world, He didn't create it all at once, all at the same time. He said, I'm going to do it in order. So, day one, He creates a, a few things, and then day two comes. And then day three and day four, six days he uses, one after the other, in order, in order, in order. Why? Because life doesn't come at you all at once. Thankfully, God made life to come at us in chunks and in pieces. I mean, can you imagine if your future just came all at once at you in a tidal wave right now, all of it right now? You wouldn't be able to handle it. So God knows that. So he gives us our future in chunks. So your future is going to be here in about an hour, right? So you're going to have a future, and then then a couple hours, and then this afternoon, and then tonight, and then tomorrow is a new day, a new chunk of time that God gives us to manage and handle. God's a good God. But whenever I'm in my life and I feel like I'm not living an abundant life or, or, or that life of more that Jesus asked, I ask myself, is it an issue of order? Are things out of order in my home? Are things out of order in my heart? You see, Timothy Keller says, the disorder of our lives is the result of the disorder of our loves. Let me rewind and say that again. The disorder of our lives is a result of the disorder of our loves. I'm not getting things in order at my job because there's something wrong inside, not because there's just something wrong at the job hey, what happens the week before you go on vacation? All of a sudden, you have the power and the organizational skills of a self-help guru, don't you? Man, you, you just make everything happen that needs to happen so that you can leave and rest. What is it that you do? What is it that takes place that makes you feel so peaceful and good about the fact that now you want to go on vacation? You just started doing things in order of importance. That's all. You got your priorities straight, finally. You went, you know, I've been doing this. That didn't have to be done before I go on vacation. This this over here, though, this does have to be done before vacation. I'm going to get this done, and this, and this, and this. And so you always get the most important things done before you go on vacation. What's happening? You're just having order in your life. You crave that, by the way. Did you know that? I'm not just sharing something that's true about the world. I'm sharing something that's true about you. Human beings crave order. That's why you feel so stressed and anxious when it's out of order. That's why you feel so stressed and anxious when there's chaos in your life. God is not a God of chaos. God is a God of order. There's natural order in the world. And when you have order in your life, you have peace. Peace. Third, more that Jesus offers is relationships. And and what I mean by that is just people to live with. He gives us a purpose to live for, peace to live in, and people to live with. Everybody needs people, each of us needs somebody. That's what I know about people. Every person I've ever met wants to have a relationship with somebody. No man is an island unto himself. We all interact with each other. We all need one another. As a matter of fact, can you point back, think about back in your history, back in your past of of something that you did that was really great. It it was just like a milestone for you. Maybe you scored a goal. Maybe you made a basket. Maybe you got a promotion at work. What what was something that was really great about your past? If you go back in your past, I guarantee you that you will look back and, and that great thing you did you'll remember there were certain people surrounding you during that moment. There were, people, there were people who were there at that time that helped you, that lifted you. You see, relationships are like elevators. You're either going up or you're bringing them down. That's how relationships are. Are you, an, are you a lifter or a downer? Everybody wants relationships. Everybody needs relationships. We crave it. We crave it. Jesus said this in John ten sixteen. And to other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Fold, plural, meaning there's more than one sheep in this fold. There's more sheepies. Them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus says, I want to give you more. A life that is more and more abundantly. And part of that means not just a few friends, but a flock of friends. A family to be a part of. That's what the church is. The church is a built in family support system. Did you know that? Look around at the people around you. Just take a look at them around you. That's your family. That's your support system. By the way, every person here that's accepted Christ in their life, we're going to live with each other forever. Do you know that? Oh, man. Some of you are like, okay, I don't know if I want that deal. Trust me, it'll be a whole lot better in heaven. We, we get perfect heavenly bodies and, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, all those kinds of things. We're going to live forever with one another in heaven, in the presence of God. Jesus says, I want to give you friendships. I want the relationships in your life to matter and to be significant for you. I'm not saying that every person has to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a romantic relationship. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you need social contact. You need community. You need to engage with other people so that you can have your needs met as well you're emotional. All of us want more out of our relationships, don't you think? Don't you agree with that? Don't we want more love? Maybe we want more attention. Maybe we want more hugs. Maybe we we want more laughter. Maybe we want to share more All of us want more out of our relationships. It's human nature to constantly want more and more and more out of our relationships. And the good news is it's God's nature to give us more. It's God's nature to give us more. See, sometimes I'm afraid that I'm going to drain my family. If I come in and complain to them, I don't want to drain them, right, because they've had to listen to other people's complaints. How many of you work in human resources? None? Wow, you're lucky. You're blessed. Maybe one or two. How many of you have people complain to you during the week, during your work week? Oh, that's a little different. Okay, thank you. How many of you are asleep? Okay, (laughs) thank you. Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to complain because I don't want to drain them. The nice thing about God is we can never drain him. David said I pour out my complaint to you, God. I'm thankful for that God listens to us. That he provides this life of more for us. The last one is experiences. Ultimately life is not something just to exist in. Life is something to be experienced. And by that I mean power to live on. Jesus gives us power. Now this is a very important verse. He says in John 10, 18, he said, no one takes it, he's talking about his life, no one takes it, my life, from me. When a lot of people saw The Passion of the Christ that Mel Gibson produced and made, how many of you saw that movie? A lot of people watched uh, Caviezel up there Uh, playing the part of Jesus and they were weeping and they were crying and all of a sudden what happened is they started to feel pity for, for Jesus. And I'm just here to tell you that that emotion, while genuine and sincere, is nowhere near the reality of what happened. Jesus went to the cross not because he was overpowered by a bunch of Romans. Jesus went to the cross on his own choice, his own volition. He said, don't you know I could call 10,000 angels right now and walk down off this cross if I wanted to. No, 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 no. Those nails didn't hold him there, keep him there. It was his heart that kept him there because he was dying for you. He was dying for me. He was dying for our sins, and he was doing it by his choice. That's why he said, no one takes my life. They didn't take my life. I gave my life. It was a sacrifice. Nobody takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself, Jesus said. I lay it down. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Jesus never ceases to be God, even when he's sacrificing himself on the cross. He is God, a very God. The son of God, the creator, the one who made you and I, the one who came as a baby in human form and made Christmas possible. That's what we celebrate. And Jesus wants to give you a better experience in life, power to live on, the power to lay it down and the power to take it up. Here's what I mean, let's get practical and I'm, I'm gonna close in just a moment. Here's what I mean practically. Through Jesus, you have the power to lay down a needle that you don't need to be sticking in your arm. Through Jesus, you have the power to lay down drink that you don't need to be drinking because it's too much for you. Through Jesus, you can lay down that fork. Through Jesus, you can lay down that bargain buy that you don't have the money to purchase, but you feel like you got to have it anyway. Through Jesus, you can lay down the things that really shouldn't be in your life, and you can take up the things that should. Jesus wants to give you the power to do that. So if you want more, there's a way to get it. Beyond just trivial experiences here on earth. Beyond just temporary experiences here on earth. There's something better. There's something longer lasting. There's something that will live forever and last forever. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture or find more. There's only one door to more, and that's Jesus. Jesus said, I am the door. So if you want to have a life with more, you've got to enter that life through the right door. Jesus said, all who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, Buddha, Confucius, Every other so-called religious leader, thieves, robbers, Jesus says, but those who enter by me, I am the door. They will be saved. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, the true shepherd. And those who know me will hear my voice, and they will not listen to these other charlatans and false teachers. I want to encourage you this morning to listen for Jesus' voice in your life, that voice that wants to give you life, more abundantly. He wants to give you that. Could we pray together? Would you bow your head?